morning, and thank you for joining us today for the seventh episode of Ulcerative Colitis and my J-Pouch journey, where we talk about ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, bowel cancer, ostomies, and J-Pouches. Today, Paul from Scotland is joining me to tell us about his journey and how he manages sleep and bedtime accidents. For those of you who have been following from the beginning, thank you. For those of you who are joining us for the first time today, please help us to continue the conversation by hitting that subscribe button and sharing us on your social media. Let's continue the conversation surrounding gastrointestinal diseases and to support one another through the, our seldom talked about journeys. <laughs> Today we have in our studio, Paul from Scotland. He's here to tell us a little bit about his journey. Hi there, um, I'm Paul, I'm 54 years old. I was diagnosed with, um, well, Crohn's slash colitis. They, they didn't make a, an affirmative diagnosis till much later in my journey. Um, that was in 1998, I was age 30. Up to then I was healthy, up to then no problems at all. Uh, and then the intervening 12 years was a roller coaster, as we all know. It's okay for a few months, and then it's not okay for a few months. Um, and that, that was that was that was fine. I was dodging along quite fine till 2011, um, and then it just went downhill rapidly. So you were diagnosed in 1998. 98. I was 30, 30 years old. And I, I went to age 42 before that went really bad. Um, you had your, your spells off in and out hospitals and stuff like that, but nothing with hindsight that was really major compared to what was to come. Um, so 2011 had a flare-up that right away I knew within hours that I had never experienced anything like this before. Um, that culminated in nine weeks in hospital. Uh, support collect me. End of ostomy, um, and it was just a, it was just a, a very very strange period in my life. It just came from nowhere, and it was so quick and sudden. No warning. I was okay one day, the next day I was severely ill. So I had my subtotal so subtotal colectomy, end of ostomy, and I lived with my ileostomy for over a year, just over a year. I was back to work and everything, and the surgeon contacted me and saying said you would be a good candidate for a J patch. I never really knew an awful lot about J-Pouch, so I started researching, had the information for the surgeon, and he says, you could have a think about it, get back in touch. So I thought about it. I thought I was off an age to try it. Either way, I was going to have to have another operation. I was going to have to get my the, the remaining rectal stump removed, and that finished off in a permanent elostomy. So I thought, I'm going to have to have an op anyway. Let's try the J-Pouch. So I just thought, if I'm going to go back in hospital as well, trying the J-Pouch. It was an attractive proposition not to have the me, but you'll know what it's like. It's not the holy grail, and that's that comes with that comes with a whole set of new problems. And I would, we're talking about sleep today, and that's when my sleep issues started, when I had my ileostomy. And I think it was more psychological, because you have this bag strapped to your side that you've never had before you're in bed you're rolling about while you're asleep you're moving and it was the constant fear that that was going to come off in the bed I mean you're lying next to your wife in bed that's the last thing you want yes so I think it started off with psychological the sleeping 
was disrupted psychologically because you were aware all the time. And I woke up, I was I was waking up at night with my hand on my bag, like unaware that my hand was there, but it was there. Um, and I think it was just the fear, it was the fear of it coming off. And then you had to get up through the night and empty as well. So that kind of started my sleep issues. Um, and then the J pouch just took the whole sleep issues to another level for me. Um, I'm up at least three times every night. I don't eat much through the day because I work full time. So for me, the trade-off with not having to go to the toilet at work was okay because then I was managing to be in employment and go to my work and, and function and not eat a lot. So when you come home, you've got to eat. And if that's at five, six o'clock at night, well, that food's ultimately going to transit through and come out through the night. So that impacts your sleep. Yes, you're speaking about my absolute journey as well. I'm a nurse and the same, a community nurse. So I was doing the exact same thing. I wouldn't eat during the day so that I would, until I saw my last client, I would have a bit of a snack at the office because the bathroom was right there. Come home and you have to eat something because you're starving, but you're so exhausted as well. And then you eat and then you're up three to five times during the night, and then you have to get up at 6.30 the next morning to go to work. You're, you're working, I work full-time, 37.5 hours a week. So it's, and it, it can be 12-hour shifts. It can be like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It could be, there's all sorts of shift patterns. It's crazy shift patterns. So, I mean, that that brings us issues as well because you've got a longer day where you're trying not to eat or not to eat a lot. Not, you're certainly not eating what you should be eating in a day you come home and then you have to eat so obviously as I said that impacts you through the night go to bed at 10 I could be up at 12 I could be up again at 2 I could be up again at 4 so in between you have a couple of hours but it takes you time to fall back to sleep so it's no great and you get up in the morning and you're lucky if you've had two or three hours in a row you know so you go to work you're exhausted that what I'm I'm a type of person who just fights. I'm a fighter. I'm no I won't give in and no very easy. So for the last ten years I've just battled through lack of sleep and you just overcome it with just smiling and laughing and joking constantly. You're not maybe laughing and joking on the inside, but you're trying to just spur yourself on and keep going. It's difficult and then your mental health suffers as well because you're not in a great place, and I'm I'm quite an easygoing person. I'm quite I'm quite likable. I like a laugh, but that kind of goes. You're you're on a short fuse. People could say something and and jest, and you take it just literally and sort of react to it and bite. And it, it's kind of you've got to very be very careful. And I I see the signs. I recognise the signs in myself that I've not had enough sleep. And I know that when I'm reacting, I could take myself out of a situation. I work in healthcare, so I'm pretty, and I've worked with mental health and that, so I'm pretty good at recognising signs of stuff. I've just had meetings at work, um, and I've applied for early retirement with ill health, yeah, because I've just I've had enough. I can't I can't keep doing it. You've applied for early retirement. Yeah, I think it's very very common. Lack of sleep is just a, a massive factor for everyone. Um, you've not got a choice, you have to get up through the night. I've been offered all sorts of sleeping tablets and this, that and the other. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine, but 
what happens when you don't get up? You know what happens. I know what happens when I don't get up. I live, I live with it constantly. But trying to explain that to a doctor or a nurse, it's like it's so frustrating. I yeah. don't. They don't seem to understand just what's involved. You know, it's okay. Oh, we'll give you a sleep tablet. You sleep and you'll be able to go to your work. But no, because then I'm going to have to get strip the bed twice a night, do a wash and go in the shower more than once a night. That's that's just that's just what you live with. But they don't seem to understand that side yeah the the last thing you want to do is not wake up when your j pouch kicks in exactly yes happens to me frequently i think the sheer exhaustion as well so if i've no slept for three nights on night number four ultimately i'll sleep but i'll also have an accident because then your body's your body's just wiped out and it needs to sleep so you do sleep but you sleep through times when you shouldn't be sleeping exactly Exactly. I'm, I'm fortunate that I haven't had much problem with nighttime, but I sleep very lightly. Like, right. you know, the dog farts sideways and I'm, I'm awake. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm lucky that way, but uh, definitely exhaustion has been a big, a big factor in trying to explain that to the nursing union, trying to explain it to long-term disability, trying to explain it to my physicians understand they're going to bat for me, but it's, it's just very difficult trying to explain, you know, you have this body part that is missing a body part that does a big job and it's just not there. So 12 months after my loss, 12, 13 months after my loss, I got my J pouch and ultimately that brings a whole set of different problems. You've got acid coming out somewhere that nothing's come out of for 12 months. And in the first six months, everything was just so loose. So you were you were having issues through the night. And it just kept on. It's like a, it's like a build-up effect. Your brain's telling you not to switch off. Don't sleep. Don't sleep because that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to strip the bed. You're going to have to do a washing through the night. You're going to have to put clean sheets on the bed. You're going to have to shower. So it's like your brain, your, your brain's trained, if you like, not to switch off, not to sleep. There's no wanting you to sleep because you're no wanting to be in that position. And it's just, it's just awful. And then, then you've got to get up and face a day at work. Yes. Men, mentally, you're not in a great place because of the night you've just had. You've got to go and face the stress at work. And it just, it's just a, total cumulative effect which I've handled well I think for 10 years until four months ago I went off work long-term sick and I work for the National Health Service in Scotland and I mean I'm I've been doing COVID vaccinations for the last two years and I take bloods and stuff so it's no that's no decision I take lightly being off my work because I'm not off work unless I really need to be off work but I've got to the point where something is going to happen it's a loss, isn't it? I I remember just crying when I finally like made the decision I have to take care of my health first. I cried for two weeks straight. You know, you're losing everything you worked so hard to. Yeah, I know. Um, and I recognize myself getting aggressive. If I've not had sleep and I'm not an aggressive person, I've never been an aggressive person, never been in a fight, but the lack of sleep, uh, really, that's, that's what manifests with me. It's aggression. Now, I work with women at work. You can't be aggressive. So I've kind of just took myself out of the situation. I thought, oh, no, I need to be out of here before before I snap and throw something at somebody. Or 
I mean, that, that, and that isn't me, it's not my nature, but that's where I was. And I, I just went to the GP and I said, I'm at a point where I need to just take time out, unfortunately. So I spoke to them, told them everything. Nighttime. It's not anything that I've not discussed with them over the years. I've even discussed the nighttime accidents with my surgeon um, and getting up through the night and the lack of sleep. Unfortunately, as he said, a magic cure, they can't, they can't put a large intestine back in me. And that's the only thing that would solve the problem. So he said to me years ago, four or five years ago, when I spoke to him about lack of sleep and stuff, he said that for me, it's a balancing act. I need to find the balance. I need to find the balance between work and rest and sleep. So it's, it's very, very difficult. It's a, it's, and, and, and I understand when you're asking a doctor for advice and help, and it's a difficult one for them to solve as well because it's not an easy solve. There isn't, there, there isn't a magic fix for it. And I guess it is just balancing it. And, and the balance is difficult to find because even if you went to work part-time, you're not, you know, the affordability of working part-time is a factor. And then also I found if I, because I did try to <clears throat> cut down my hours at work and try that, but on the nights that I would get a good sleep, I didn't work the next day on the nights that I didn't get a good sleep. I was working the next day. It just, you just never knew what the nighttime would bring. So it's impossible to but manage uh, yeah. it really. Yeah. I've just had that, that conversation with my team leader and she suggested part-time work. And I'm like, well, that's all very well. I said, but if the two or three days that I'm working are the two or three nights a week that are terrible, that doesn't change anything for me. It just means I've got extra time in the house, but not it doesn't potentially solve much, unfortunately. Yes, yes. I have said to a few people now, because they say, well, you seem to be feeling better. I'm like, I am feeling better because I'm able to take care of myself first. I'm able to get the rest. But you, you saying that what my J pouch has brought to my life, like it's, my in large intestine is not going to grow back. It's like asking yeah. an amputee when their arm is going to grow back. It's not going yeah. to. This is this is our lives moving forward. So the only thing we can do is to take care of ourselves first and to manage it. I remember sitting and taking care of my patients, thinking in my head, here I am taking care of you. And I feel horrible. <laughs> like It's, yeah. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm very very much the same I'm dealing with patients every day I've got 30 patients a day coming in and getting their bloods taken their height their weight their blood pressure etc etc and you're putting on this front for them but inside you're like well where, where, who's, who's, who's looking after me come up me and face my help it's like you're helping everybody else but you're not helping yourself it's, it's difficult um, as, as the surgeon last week I just saw him last Friday um, I had a, a rigid sigmoidoscopy, pretty uncomfortable, and, and I wasn't expecting it. I thought I was going in for a chat, so that was quite a... Ooh. And he said about removing the jive pouch. He oh, said, that's, Yeah, I, but I think he was looking to get an answer from me if that's what I was looking for, and I said categorically, no, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not saying I'm unhappy with it. I think the function could be better, 
there could be some improvement there. Um, there's definitely something going on because I feel like I've got colitis again at the moment. That's how it feels. I've got urgency, I've got frequency, um, I'm having an increased nighttime accident. So that's what it, it thinks. He thinks something else is going on. It's not pouchitis. It's not. I was going to ask you that if it's pouchitis because what you're explaining sounds like pouchitis. However, yeah. in 2014, when I had my fistula and I ended up with a seat and stitch, I was also diagnosed with Crohn's instead of ulcerative colitis. They did a scope and they went past right. my pouch and said, I have Crohn's disease because there was ulcers right. past my pouch. And I did end up going on Humira, which is a biologic for Crohn's yeah. disease for ulcerative colitis. And I was on that until May of 2017 everything cleared up and by actually by the end of february 2015 i was deemed in remission there'll be a few things to try before i ever get to that stage i'm not i'm not unhappy i'm not i don't ever regret having a j-patch I, I think it was the right decision i still think it's the right decision is it a difficult thing to live with yes but for me i still prefer the way i am now to having the bag because the ileostomy would be the same. I would still not be sleeping. I would still be fearful of coming off at night. So there's not that much of a difference there. So I'm, I'm I'm happy with my lot at the moment. I'm, I say happy, but as happy as you can be. So they did the the sigmoidoscopy, and did that show ulcers in your J pouch? Then he said it was fine. He said the pouch looked healthy. It certainly wasn't pouchitis, um, and that's when he said. So they're testing for celiac. They said that because because you've had an autoimmune disease, you're predisposed quite heavily to developing celiac disease. So they're testing for that. And they're also going to do an MRI scan for and have a look at the small intestine and see if there's anything that shows up here. So I'm fingers crossed that's nothing and it's just a grumbly pouch. Um he he might be onto something when it comes to celiac though because i about a year and a half ago stopped eating gluten i eat very yeah. very little amounts of gluten and i do feel quite a bit better right than if i do introduce that every now and then i cheat and i pay for yeah. it so yeah. yeah that he might be onto something there so revolving around the nighttime accidents and um I'm not sure if we touched back on it about your mental health through the lack of sleep, nighttime accidents. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going to your bed every night, knowing that you could have an accident in bed, is obviously going to have an effect on your mental health. It has to. It'd be stupid to say it doesn't. But again, I'm a positive type of person, and I'm no, I won't let it get me down. Although ultimately, it does on the inside, but. For everybody else around me, they think I'm all right because that's the front that you have to give. You have to appear that everything's all right for family and friends. and So you put a brave face on it. It's not always like that behind closed doors, I'll sit. How does that impact your social events and your traveling? <clears throat> and that? Social events, I'm not no very comfortable going to unknown places. I like my comfort. I like if I'm going to my local bar, I go to one that's really, really clean, lovely toilets. I know people that say it, so I'm happy there and it's not far from my house. I could walk back home in 10 minutes, that's fine. I'm comfortable there. 
if it's involving going anywhere further afield, it's a bit more daunting, if let's say. I, I don't, I wouldn't let it stop me doing it, but it's the, the whole thought process, right? As a, what's the toilet going to be like? Is it going to be all right? Am I going to be all right? You know, and then especially like staying away in a hotel, it's all right in an accident in your own bed. That's fine. You got to wash the sheets. Do that in a hotel. You've got an embarrassing situation. And I'm not saying it's never happened. It happened in Portugal when I was there. Luckily, we had the washing machine in the apartment. So that was, I took care of everything. So you didn't have to go and say to somebody, because what are people going to think? Nobody's going to understand that. You know what I mean? It's very, very, and that impacts everything. Everything impacts your thoughts and your mental health. But you've just got to live with it. You kind of let it define you. Exactly. And it's funny that you say that because I did an interview with Amy just a few days ago and she said the exact same thing. And I go through it as well. Just that planning. You're always, you know, everybody else is like, hey, let's go do this. And it's no big deal to them. They do it every day. They can spend six hours on a golf course where there's no bathrooms at all. And they don't even think about it. Whereas for us, it's yeah. not possible. There's things that I used to do that I won't do now. I can't do now because it's just no possibility because you need to be near the toilet. I used to go to football matches all the time. I used to go and watch soccer or football. I can't do that anymore because football stadiums, ultimately, a crowd of 50,000 people, you can imagine what the toilets are like. They're no, they're no fit for me sitting in and doing what I need to do. So I just I just don't go there anymore. That's something that I miss, but it's just part of life. You can't, I'm, I'll not put myself through it. And, and every, it's like you're saying, every event has to be carefully thought out. Can can I do this and can I do it safely? Because you don't want to have an accident or anything like that. And I mean, I've been at the point, I've been at work and I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm like, I have to go to go run to the toilet. And again, it's like, you're so close at times. To, and I mean, that's, that impacts your mental health because you're sitting there in fear of shitting yourself every every shift. You know what I mean? If, if you're busy and you kind of get to a toilet, it's like... Yes, the, the the stress involved in that, like that moment where your J-pouch is triggering. I call it anything that triggers my J-pouch and you're just stressing on the inside. And like, I remember being in the middle of wound care on one of my patients. And I can't leave this wound wide open. I can't leave her. There's a sterile field there and I can't leave her. And I am terrified. I am sweating. I'm, you know, clenching my teeth. And I'm just like, how am I going to get through this? Call myself the clenching queen because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are days where I'm I'm not sure I'm going to make it, but it is, it is such a a stress. And there are things that I don't think medical professions, they don't, they're not looking at the aspect of it. You know, I mean, every every waking minute of my day revolves around either eating toilets. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think they understand the gravity of what how how we live. I mean, for me as well, at the moment, it's not tiredness. It's beyond tiredness. I'd say it's fatigue. I slept last night. The whole night, I went to bed at ten and I woke up at half past six this morning. And you feel amazing the next day. I wasn't clean when I woke up this morning, but. It wasn't a disaster, and that's the first night's sleep I've had in, well, I would, I would call that a night's sleep, and that's the first in about seven months. 
It's just ah. it's crazy. So even even today, I got up after that sleep. I felt okay for two or three hours, but by like nine ten o'clock this morning, I was like, it just comes in a wave, and you're like exhausted again. So it's not just normal being tired. It's went beyond that, and for me, it's like a fatigue that no matter how much rest you get, it doesn't go away. Do you ever have days where it's you literally, your entire body, I know there are days where it takes every ounce of the energy for me to move. It feels like yep. my arms weigh a ton. To lift my arms takes all the energy I have. And it's it's not it's not being tired. It's full body. And I feel like maybe it's a little bit of autoimmune inflammation. Like my body is just in such yeah. an inflamed state that... Yeah. You know, I I can't function at all. Yeah, well, we get that as well. We go like at the weekend, and we'll go up, we'll go do some food shopping at the weekend. I can be out the house an hour, and I'll say to the wife, "I need to go. I need to go back home. It's just I'm done. I'm tired. I just need to get this done and get back." So it impacts every impacts every aspect of life. You probably know that I've wrote a book. I've done that for me. I had a surgery two years ago because. My old wound had split apart and there was hernias here, there and everywhere. So they had to do a full abdominal reconstruction two years ago. So that involved like moving the muscles that had slapped and putting in a mesh in the front of my abdomen and stitching all the muscles back together and basically redone my whole scar from top to bottom. So I was again stuck in the house for six months after that. I thought it was a small operation, naively. It was a lot, a lot bigger than what I thought. I was in the hospital for ten days, drains coming out everywhere. I was back to square one, if you like. So sitting in the house, I thought, right, I need to do something here. To this is the end. I can't have another operation. This has to be the last time because I really felt it. It was eight years later than my J pouch operation, so I was fifty-two, and I felt my age at that moment in time. I thought, oh. I could feel a big difference for that last operation to this one. I thought another eight years' time, I don't think I could face it. I don't think I could go through another operation of that magnitude. So I thought, what can I do? I need to do something. I want to do something nice for somebody else. And I think that's a way of making me feel better. It gives you a lift if you feel that you're doing something nice for somebody else. So I wrote a book. Ultimately, it was for me. Very cathartic, writing a book and trying to put an un- a line under your health problems and published it on my own. It's no Harry Potter, but it's my story. It's no greatly written, but again, it's from the heart. It's straight to the point. It's what happened to me. So it sold quite a lot of copies, which I wasn't expecting. I thought family would buy it and read it. But all of a sudden, it sold a lot, quite a lot. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I've got quite a few hundred quid here. What, I don't need the money. What, what am I going to do with the money? So I contacted my local high school that I went to as a kid, my daughter went to, and spoke to the headmaster. And I said, look, I've wrote a book. I've made a bit of money, but I don't, I don't want the money. I want to do something with it. And I thought about Crohn's and Colitis and these charities, but to me, they're big, massive charities. I wanted to do something right at a level, a personal level. So I went to the school, ultimately sponsored a prize at the prize giving every year. So I wanted to award a student from an underprivileged background an award every year for five years. So last year, 
to do. Right, last year, I awarded the, the school um, identified a pupil, fifth year, she was 16, the girl from an underprivileged background, and she needed a laptop for her studies. So I went and bought a laptop, took it to the school, met the girl, gave her a laptop, got my photo in the local paper, blah, blah, blah. That's so that's what I do. That's what I do with the money from the book. I don't, it's not for me, it's for doing other things. So at the moment, there's a suicide prevention charity just started up in the town and they're looking for funds. So I'm going to go and give them something in the next few weeks as well, just to help them on their way. And what is the title of your book and how would somebody purchase it if they'd like to? Uh, it's called um, Drifting into Darkness, One Man's Journey with Ulcerative Colitis, but the title is Drifting into Darkness. I chose that title because it's been a slow drift into entering a tunnel that there wasn't an awful lot of light at the end, to be honest. That's just how I felt. And it's on Amazon. You it's can on, buy Amazon. It on Amazon. Yep. Okay. Drifting into Darkness on Amazon. Yep. And it's £5 or that'll be six dollars or seven dollars or something. Would I, I get sold, it on Amazon yeah. Canada? Or is it Amazon? Yeah, I've sold, I've sold copies in Canada, Australia, America, China, Japan. It's that's crazy. I've not sold millions. I'm no I'm not gonna be a millionaire or anything, but that's that's amazing how it's sold like worldwide. It's, it's crazy. Just a wee man from Scotland selling books worldwide. Well you know who'll be buying it next. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great for you to pop on with me today, Paul. Yep. It's I feel like it's very therapeutic for us to talk about our journeys and share what we've been through. I think yep. it's um, very important that we share and maybe someone out there is going through the same thing that we have and they'll realize that they're not alone. That's it, because everybody's story is very, very similar. We're all facing the same things, albeit maybe different levels but it's, uh, we've all got much very common problems exactly well thank you again it was thank wonderful you. to meet you albeit from right, across the world <laughs> yeah, yeah. technology is amazing isn't it you betcha it is okay stay in touch i'd like to yeah. uh stay in touch all right thank you thank Paul. you have Take a great care. you too bye-bye cheers <laughs>